0: Poets that's paying attention, every time you go to a set, go to study. You should be studying, you should introduce yourself to a poet or to a host and ask him what else is happening today Network. or this week. Mm-hmm. And they'll tell you, they'll just yep. spill it out because they know it already because they go through the difference. Man, I heard about something on Wednesdays, I never, but I heard about it. Even mm-hmm. those, those are like what I call half leads. Yeah. I can take the half leads and put them in Google, put them in Facebook. I'm cross-referencing I'm asking other poets. You heard about this? Yeah, I heard it until I get a green light.
1: Introducing the Poet Life Podcast. Go check it out today on your favorite
0: platforms, including iTunes, Apple Music, and the website, thepoetlife.com.
2: Find a way. Find a way.
1: Hey, 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 it's Christoph Jenkins of the Poet Life Podcast and the Poet Life And on today, man, we have a conversation. On today, we have a guest named Brandon Alexander Williams. How are you, sir? What's up,
0: man? I'm I'm doing well, doing well, working on this uh, new book.
1: Wait, you're writing a new book?
0: Yeah, yeah, working on a new book. And actually, I'm helping a lot of people like publish theirs. So, really,
1: uh, yeah. Okay, so do you have a publishing company or how's how's that work?
0: Unofficially, I do. Um, Modern Day Griot LLC is like a catch-all. It's always been like my personal company. But um, this year specifically, I'm focused on helping artists publish, li- as I call them, lyrical books, where pretty much are producing you know their albums in book form. But they're adding commentary to that. And then they're adding mm. a QR code on each page so that it scans and takes them to their streaming site or to a paywall for the purchaser to be able to, to like fully immerse themselves in the full artistry.
1: Whoa. Okay, okay. That's next level there, I, I like that, I like that. Oh, you took me far. All right, so real quick, cause I know I, I wanna jump right in. Uh, where did poetry come in for you? Where Where did that start?
0: Man, so um, I actually will be 36 on the 19th, but I started writing raps when I was 10. So that okay. was 1996, I heard Elevators by Outkast, and I was like, what is this? You know what I'm saying? And um, I started writing poetry like, like, I knew poetry was a, a spoken word, was a thing. Like, I knew poetry because of, like, you know, uh, Shakespeare, whatever they teach in public schools, right? But then, like, once Liberation on the Aquamina album, and I heard uh, Big Rube, I'm like, oh, that's spoken word. Like, that's poetry, but that's, like, a, a cooler way of doing it with more, yeah. like, sauce to it. And so when I turned 17 is when I first saw Deaf Poetry Jam. I had just bought the fabulous album, Real Talk. Yeah. And I used to go by the name Real Talk, by the way, so that used to be my stage name. Um, but I bought the album, I remember on the intro, Black Ice from Philly was on the intro. Yeah. Yep. I remember when I saw their poetry, I'm like, that's the same dude. And when I listened to it, I said, man, this, he just rapping without a beat. Right. Like, I was like, I want to do this because, you know, 16 bars can find me to, that's how long I could write, you know? And right. so from there, I decided, man, I, w- I want to be a spoken word artist. Also in, in the junior year of my high school is when, my father went away to prison for like a white collar crime for a few years. Mm. And so it was a huge outlet for me to use my creativity. But throughout high school, the funny thing is I would write raps, but I would like only show them to like my close friends. Mm. But I was like the DJ of the cypher because I could beatbox and I could kick beat on the desk. But I would sneak my little boom box, you know, you got to put like 20 D batteries in there. I would sneak my small boom box <laughs> into the, uh, the foyer area of our school where we would kind of hang out before the bell rang for first period and I would like burn a CD with specific instrumentals. I knew that was hot from like Freestyle Mm -hmm. Friday and I would like everybody hunch around like you know what I'm saying block the radio So, because you know back then you couldn't take electronics to school and so uh, I would play the instrumentals and I would like study the MCs so I wouldn't spit, had notebooks full of rhymes, fire rhymes too like I was high back then Right. So I would cipher and I would watch the other cats and I would study and be like, okay, he's fire, he's not fire, but he got a lot of charisma. He's just not gonna stop rapping. And I learned and watched and studied and studied and studied. And so it was like I honed my craft and studied it for a long time before I actually like jumped into it. And also like during the summer, one of my sister's best friends, William, we call him Ouija, he introduced me to Smack DVD mm. and battle rap in that yeah. sense, a more raw form of it. And so. For summers, we would just go and hoop and watch battle rap and then write verses and like freestyle using the radio. Because you know, on the old radios, on the right speaker, it would say mic, right? It was basically meant like if you put two radios together, you could spit into the speaker and that would be a microphone. I remember it would spit all over the speaker. But those are my origins, <laughs> uh, of, uh, of my you know, my tutelage of MCN and of spoken word. But yeah, I didn't take it serious as a craft till I was 17. As far as writing, I didn't take it serious as a business until maybe I was like 21, 22, getting ready to graduate at Southern Illinois University in Carpenter. And that's because by then I was born in Maywood. So like, where are you from?
1: I'm in the DMV, I'm in Maryland.
0: You're in DMV, right? So check this out. So Maywood to Chicago is like Manassas to DC. Okay. Maybe not so far, you know what I'm saying? But it's a suburb. It's like half hour, you know, from downtown, 20 minutes from downtown, something like that. But, you know, famous folk from Maywood is like the late, great chairman Fred Hampton of the Black Panther Party, right? From Maywood. So I was born in Maywood, but I grew up in Peoria. Peoria is like another city two and a half hours south of Chicago. And when my father went to prison, my mother moved back to Chicago. So Mm -hmm. during the breaks of college, I would drive back or catch the train back to Chicago. And that's where I got immersed into the spoken word scene there. And there I saw giants. Like, we're not just talking about like, You know, the Jay Ivies, the Triple Blacks, and the Red Storms, and Malik Youssef's. We talking about, like, K-Love. We talking uh, Emerald Green, Harold Green. Like, a a lot of just super dope MCs and poets that would travel through the scene. And so, Mm -hmm. I always tell cats, like, I would go to the open mic. If it's 20 people on the list, like, 18 of them are, like, super fire. Not like they're good, like, super fire. Wow. So, that was, like... My pedigree, when I stepped into spoken word, Gosh. my example said, you have to be super fire. And so when I went on the road and I traveled to D.C. because uh, one of my friends told me, Man, you got to go to D.C. because they got a spot called Boys and Poets. And they right. got R.I.P. Learn the Pickman. They got, Wednesday, they got Wednesday verses. They got, you know what I'm saying, spit that, da-da-da. And when cats would give me leads like that, I would write them down. Mm-hmm. And I would research and cross-reference and then follow up on that. And so when I would go travel, my mentality, we had a saying in Chicago, it's like, you know, two or 200, you spit your joint like it's the Grammys. You know what I'm saying? Like it could be you and literally three other people in an open mic that was under promoted, you show your ass, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's always been my pedigree. So as I travel the world, the country matter rather, and I run into other poets, I got like a short list of like, I know who's fired in whatever market. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like. Or if not, I know they're OGs because you know they're like newer. But yeah. I always took that and, and sought out my tribe when I traveled. And so mm. when I would run into another artist that was like in the open mic with five people and they going extra hard, I'm like, ah, you you're uh you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I would I would connect with them and and build with them and then eventually, you know, book them for a show or you know, uh. follow up later on in life. And so I built this dope network, man, of poets and MCs. And it's always cool to run into a hybrid, a poet MC hybrid. That's like, right. I like rap for real. And like, yeah. I make like dope music, but also I know how to rock the scene. I know how to host so on and so forth, man. So spoken word paid the bills for the longest, man. But, but when making rap songs, that's what I aspired to do. And at some age, at some point I was just like, do I not get paid for performing yeah. rap or do yeah. I get paid hundreds of dollars, you know what I'm saying? For performing spoken word.
1: See, that is like, an oxymoron for a lot of people because it's like the other way around. Should I rap, you know, and get paid a $100 or, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or, or should I do poetry? What I really, you know, mm-hmm. so you figured out how to flip it and I guess be a unicorn uh, as it relates to, you know, there aren't a lot of spoken word artists that are treating it as a business. Well, where you are, they were, right? Because that's
0: mm. what you saw. Yeah, yeah. I saw cats performing and I saw like, hey, if you like what you hear, I got CDs. So I seen people pushing CDs, jewelry, you know, body butter, soap, stuff like that. <laughs> right. And so it was like, mm-hmm. there's space for a market to be made here. When I when I talk about like the, you know, the open mic list of 20 people and 18 of them fire, I would mm. only see maybe a handful of selling things where they might've been vendors already. But I took that part of it, you know, understanding entrepreneurship and was like, yep. okay, that's a part. But I will mm-hmm. say this, it took me a while before I actually started getting like my CDs made. Okay. And it was a blind spot for me. I used to be like counting in my head, like, okay, if they sell that CD for 10, I see four people in line. I'm like, oh, it's like $40. All right, whatever. I ain't missing out on nothing. Right. So I just go and perform, go places and perform. Sometimes I get paid, sometimes I didn't get paid. And I would see people selling merchandise. And then I thought to myself, like, well, well, let me do this. I can make some extra money. And so The first time I sold like 10 CDs for 10 each, I made a hundred bucks on top of whatever I was getting paid. In addition to, you know, pass the bucket or whatever, pass the hat. And I said, what happens if I go harder at this? You know what I'm saying? And so as I traveled, what I noticed is when I took a trip, there's just a specific time. I got to find the dates. I think it was about 2011, 2010. But there Mm -hmm. were specific dates where I came to DC. Okay. And so Chicago, there was a, Megabus. I caught a Megabus to Cleveland. Yep. I caught a Greyhound from Cleveland to Pittsburgh and another Greyhound from Pittsburgh to D.C. It was like an 18-hour trip. I had a duffel bag. My sister had just came back from Iraq, so she let me use her duffel. She had a digital camo duffel bag, and I packed it full of like 100 CDs, and I just had a couple changes of clothes. And one thing that assisted me greatly is that my fraternity was founded at Howard. So I was able to reach out to Sigmas and Zetas there, and be yeah. like, hey, I'm coming through. Can I crash for a day or two? You know what I'm saying? And I knew some people who had moved there as well. So, you know, I didn't just go there completely blind. And also, yep. I didn't have enough money to like pay for a hotel and travel every day. But by the second day, people had like knew about me. And that threw me off too. Cause I'm like, mm. nah, I ain't like making no waves like that. But they're like, nah, we heard about you through such and such. They said you was coming. And then once I hit the first, I think Monday, I did a Bus Boys Shirlington. Got it. And once I did that, it was like word was traveling because uh, simply T, yep. from uh Spirits and Lyrics, she popped up. She was like, "You featuring at my set on uh on Tuesday or Thursday, I think." In Manassas. she was like, "You featuring at my set." I had to come through here to see what she was about. Da da da. Because Busboys will promote you good, and so she was like, "Oh no, you oh you killing it, yo. You gotta go here." And then from there, anytime like I say, I get off mm-hmm. the stage and poets is paying attention. Every time you go to a set, go to study. You should be studying, you should introduce yourself to a poet or to a host and ask him, what else is happening today or this week? Mm -hmm. And they'll tell you, they'll just spill it out because they know it already because they go through the difference. Man, I heard about something on Wednesdays, I never, but I heard about it. Even Mm -hmm. those, those are like what I call half leads. Yeah, I gonna take the half leads and put them in Google, put them in Facebook. I'm cross-referencing, I'm asking other poets, you heard about this? Yeah, I heard it until I get a green light to where it's Mm -hmm. like, I've been there before, it's fire, you should go. I don't know why people are scared to drive out that far, you know, and I wasn't scared to go anywhere. So I would um, always ask the artist, what else is happening here? What else is happening this week? Because I'm here this week. Yeah. So what happened is I think the week that I came, I only had like two or three features booked. And, you know, back then they was only paying 50 to maybe 100 bucks. Right. So I already came with the mentality that I was going. I mean, I was in the red already. And so I'm like, I'm going to sell these CDs. And I'm going to hustle up some other features. And that did happen. Once somebody saw me on Monday, man, what you doing Friday? How long you in town? It's always that conversation.
3: Mm. It's time to create an unforgettable experience at your next event with The Poet Life by booking a keynote poet. Poets excite your audience with motivating messages, charismatic delivery, colorful rhythm, powerful prose, and heart-filled stories with a style of spoken word that's tailored specifically to your event. The Poet Life has keynote poets in your city of all ages and backgrounds. Visit ThePoetLife.com to learn more
1: and book your poet today.
0: But if you half-ass it, if you don't do well, yeah. is oh, you're from where? Oh, I know some people out there. And that's the conversation. That's but it. But when you, when you show your on the mic, yeah. then it's like people get to thinking. They keep they get the manufacturing stuff for you. Right. Wait a second. You know, I'm having some friends, though. I might as well just make it a whole event. And that happens, like so. Poets is listening to this. Like people will create an event centered around you as the headliner. And these are things that we don't allow to happen if we don't try. Mm. You don't even have to think. You can still think small, but if you try, other people will walk up to you, ask you, offer you different things. And all it takes is a small tweak or two to upsell. Like one one tidbit I always tell artists: when somebody reaches out to book you, first of all, you have all the leverage because it's an inbound booking. Mm-hmm. it's very difficult to go let me hit up some colleges to see if they want to book me that's like me walking into your store and saying hey do you want to buy something it don't work as well so mm. when somebody walk in your store though you're like ah well let me show you this and this right. and, you know <laughs> right. let me show you the sales we got going on today yeah. and so I always say now when somebody books me I always ask them are you doing this next year there because some people do one offs they might have threw the event because they're like I think this was cool I just wanted to try something mm-hmm. once Mm-hmm. When you put the bug in their, in their head, in their ear, like, hey, are you doing this next year? Then they start thinking, I might not think about doing yeah, this. Yeah, maybe I should. Next year. Maybe I should do this next year. All right, well, lock me in for next year. And they think, well, you know what? You you kind of fire. That's why I say being fired matters. <laughs> you kind of fight. You know what? Next year, he might cost double what he costs now or triple what he costs now. So I need to go ahead. Yeah, let's lock that in. Now you done booked two gigs. You know what I'm saying? You done upsold. So if hypothetically, if you're charging somebody uh, 300 then you say, all right, instead of paying $300 piece, just pay me five and give me right. for this in six months from now. Now you didn't built out a show in that city. And then you map shows around it. You know what I'm saying? If it's a Wednesday, then you say, okay, let me figure out what's happening on Tuesday. You get on your Googles. Okay, I'm going to D.C. on Tuesday. What else is Tuesday? Okay, uh, Tuesday is Busboys and Poets at 14th and V. And it's at da, da 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 Okay, cool. What else is on Tuesday? All right, let me see. Uh, let me make some calls. Mm. And next thing you know, you didn't built out a week worth of things to do. And now you didn't get yourself a mini tour, you know? know? And so that that type of stuff, man, I dared to do it, you know? And like I say, once my lodging was secured, I'm like, man, the cool part about that story is not only that I make some dope connections, but I flew myself back to Chicago.
1: <laughs> so you, that was cool. Because you, you came back with some money.
0: Boom. And then that's when I realized flights weren't that expensive. And I said, oh, I'm never doing this uh <laughs> a great man, kind of
1: thing flight like, to atlanta is like 78 dollars from dc
0: come on man that's it and it's like an hour it's like 45 minutes you an there. and then you you know what i'm saying you're done so it's like i got airports codes memorized i know bus routes and all that man it's like stuck in my head and so traveling is, is one of the dopest things it really will test your skill man because you'll go to some places and get humble and i will say this chicago other than baltimore specifically Mm -hmm. Other than Chicago, Mm -hmm. Baltimore was a place I went to and was like, oh, tribe.
1: Baltimore's crazy.
0: They have this spirit of excellence. There you go. (laughs) It's a spirit of excellence. It's like, it's not that I'm trying to be better than you. It's like, I'm trying to be better than what I am already. Yep. And you can tell in like the demeanor, it isn't like, I want to kill everybody. The MC in me is like, I'm better than a lot of, but like I say, the the pedigree that came off was just like, I have a spirit of excellence. So I want to do dope not just to beat you because mm-hmm. if we're racing the 100, if I'm racing you, I don't know, you running a 50 meter dash. Yeah. So after your 50, I'm slowing down.
1: It's contagious I got, too.
0: I got 50 more to go. So if you are my benchmark, then I'm limited. But if I'm beating me every time, I'm gonna keep increasing, you know what I'm saying? My benchmark. Right. So yeah, man, that's how it all started. And there were different things that I learned about business. And then there was once I had, there was like, man, I want to get paid more. How do I do that? You know. Okay. And then you bump your head along the way, you figure out like, okay, well, this person that's consistently paying me, <laughs> I don't turn around and charge them more. That's the big mistake that a lot of people do. It's mm-hmm. like somebody got you hosting an event monthly, right? And that's that's decent money. It's like you know, a hundred bucks every time. It's like yeah. okay, it could be more. It could be incentives if you sell tables, or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever like that. But the most value that it has is residency. People know they can find you here, so got you can build a personal audience, a
1: brand building.
0: Boom at that set. So you don't turn to them and say, mm-hmm. it's more now. You know, like, nah, because <laughs> they created a place where people know that they can catch you at. Yeah, What you do is you charge the new cats. You charge the cats who, man, I just saw you at the set on Monday. Exactly, that's why mm-hmm. I was at the set on Monday. Mm-hmm. That's why I shined at the set on Monday. But every time you perform, man, you poets out there, man, every time you perform, is somebody's first time ever seen. That's why you go stupid. That's why you go stupid every time that you perform. Because
1: we it's because you gotta keep saying that, man. Time. You gotta go stupid <laughs> every time.
0: You it is imperative. If you don't, then it's like are you just playing around? And people remember. Like I mean, I always use the example like the set like four people there. It's like you going you on your ride home. This is how marketing happens. You on your ride home. Where's you at, man? I was at uh, such and such open mic, man. It was a uh, it was kind of light in there. But it was one nigga in there. It was some nigga in there with glasses and a beard and a hot top fade. Oh you you don't talking even about, know your name. Oh, you name. talking about
1: Brandon Alexander Williams? Yeah. Well, he he was
0: there. Oh, you know, and it's like your reputation precedes you. So I'm sure it's people in other cities that don't know my name but knew who I was because of what I represented. It's like, mm. like if I tell you, if I'm like, man, you know what I'm saying? I was at some set in a uh, DC, it was like we we went up these steps, like it was just tall hill right by howard but it was some cat from new Orleans. he was like an actor slash mc slash poet like he who i'm talking about that host you know what i'm saying
1: yeah you hitting the net on the head man
0: that's droopy that's oh yeah that's okay
1: droopy the broke baller
0: come on man and so it's like when you see or by the piece yo it was some cat that baltimore he came to my college town i didn't even know somebody told me last minute this event was happening then i'm saying like he did something like Archie the Messenger. Mm. He did something like he was doing like the homonym thing, right? The homophone thing, but he was yeah. doing it like slow. <laughs> and I was just like, "What's happening right now? Like it's something <laughs> about like his writing is fire, but it's something about his delivery that I can't put my finger on, you know." But once again, studying, you know, it ain't just, you know, when I was fresh out, when I was a young, you know, whippersnapper, snapper, I'm like, "All right, hard punch lines, spit as fast as I want to." You know? And then right. I run into, I see emerald Green and I see her finessing and I'm like, she's killing this, shit, but I don't know what she's doing. <laughs> and that's when I learned delivery, like slowing, taking your time with delivery, you know, because I like super rapid fire because I listen fast. Yeah. And so like one of my favorite poets is a uh, Rodzilla from Sacramento, California. Yeah. I don't know if you ever seen him, but he's off the chain. But I say I to say that like I learned a lot on the road and, and as a poet to this day, I still study. I study cats I've never seen before. I study cats that I may know or that may look up to me when they on stage. I'm studying them. I'm studying what they're doing, because they might have figured out something. They might be, be researching something that I don't know about. And I'm gonna notice if it hold on, wait a second. Buddy kind of he kinda going in today. He used to be reading off paper and stumbling over his words. But today he going in and, right. and guess what? When he step off stage, I'm going to shower him with props. I'm going to show him a whole lot of
1: love Relationship.
0: and, you know, let him know that I see him. Being seen is it's a big thing, man.
1: But so that, that will tell him I need to do that more often and I need to keep on that. Part. Yeah, I'm hearing study, rehearse, rehearse, mm. rehearse, rehearse, network, create relationships.
0: Yeah. And as long as you consistently do it, like things will happen for you. But I guess to curve the conversation a little bit where it comes, the point of entry for a sale or the point of entry for making money is knowing when to say yes, knowing when you're being offered something, you know? And so what I always tell artists is one is like every nine months, give yourself a raise. So if, Started a base rate of, of hundred dollars, right? Mm-hmm. I, I got a lot of love for busboys and poets because even though that's such a low figure, it's a starting point. Right, it's a, it's a uh, basement mm-hmm. to say I'm not taking less than a hundred dollars for my art, and that's a good starting point mm-hmm. for artists because we we've done stuff for free, we've done mm-hmm. stuff for fifty bucks, sometimes less than that for only mm-hmm. past a hat, and it's like that's a good place to begin at. And so for sure. you know, if you're hundred this year, by the time September comes. You're 200 now, yeah, or you're 250. You decide, but once someone reaches out to you, once again, inbound the inbound booking part is always going to be huge, you know what I'm saying? It's always going to be huge because that's where you have the leverage. So, when someone reaches out to you, hey, I saw you at such and such, yeah, next week, we're next month, we're six months from now, we're doing Mm. this event called That Is a Sale. That's inbound booking. And so I always encourage any of my clients to like, get on black and white, get on email, don't text, yeah. do respond to DMs, but don't do business in DMs. Don't do business via text or over the phone because everybody is human. So it's, I don't remember saying that, but if you typed it, no, yeah, this per, our, is what per, typed. Our conver- per our conversation. <laughs> yeah. Right. This is documented. You wrote this. Cause even if I made a mistake via text, I got to honor that. You know what mm. I'm saying? But if it's, Nah, I didn't say that because I'm going to think I got the best memory. You're going to think you got the best memory. We're not right. going to get nowhere. Yeah. And so always get it to black and white at some point. Hey, send me an email the details. We'll go from there.
1: How did you translate your performances into now you teaching classes and workshops and things of that nature? So like
0: I've always been fascinated by technical parts of performance. So like uh, to this day, my performance diet, if you will, or my my study diet consists of watching stand-up comedy, watching battle rap, and speeches, speeches or lectures or like interviews. And so I watched those for delivery and like how concise somebody can make an argument. But I always was fascinated by like I remember the first time I ever heard brain damage by Eminem. And I'm mm. like, he's rapping in patterns. Like and he's doing it on every single rhyme of every single verse. I'm like I'm I caught on to that quickly like wait a second. He's rhyming like electric volts, a neck with bolts, check the pulse Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, hold on, wait, 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 like this is a, and so from then I said, I got to do this in all my stuff because it's going to sound good. And so because I always took a technical dissection type aspect of writing, Mm -hmm. then naturally when I would talk to people, I would do that and they'd be like, man, you should teach like that. Or could you teach me something like that or doing lyrical breakdowns, calling my homies like, yo, did you peep this line at that? Did you peep the double entendre? And so. When I got hired to teach at University of Iowa in the School of Music mm-hmm. as a professor of hip hop, I was like, I'm finna just break down lyrics and there's the content right there, you know? And so from there I realized that, that it was value there. Not, not just to teach a lesson, but also to teach, you know, once you once you can teach, you you know what I'm saying, you can teach. And so That's it. once That's I realized, it. okay, how do I teach a lesson using this rap lyric, then I can teach folks how to like get their business in order, you know, and make it plain for them and show them, hey. Look out for this, this is the entry point, and when at the point at which it becomes a sale. You know what I'm saying? Once they step over this line, now they're in sale territory. Now you're in closing territory, right? This is closing the sale, so on and so forth. So that's my uh, long answer to the short question.
4: Poet Life University welcomes you to the world of creation, thoughts, expertise, and professionalism by offering technical knowledge, practical support, creative encouragement and whatever it takes for you to create the poetry career that you've always desired, but never knew was possible. And the best part is we have professional poets from around the world as professors to teach you everything they've learned throughout their poetry careers. We are currently offering several eight-week live courses that will help you gain a deep understanding of poetry, become confident in your work as a poet and writer, Learn how to start your own business with the help of an expert. Enjoy the freedom that comes from being able to pursue what you love on your terms. Are you ready to take your poetry to the next level? Learn with others by dooming for the future from the comfort of your home. Get in touch with us at www.poetlifeuniversity.com and enroll today.
1: No, I love it. I love it, man. I love it. What, what all do you have going on right now? Are you full-time artist? Yeah, yeah, full-time artist. So I've been
0: full-time for a decade. And so yeah, like... Um,
1: and you're 36. I'm thankful,
0: man. I, yeah, I'll be 36 on January 19th. So I'm thankful, man, because the first few years were good during the school years, getting mm-hmm. drought during the school breaks, you know? And so you learn how to make up a different regimen of like a money mix of where your income comes from. Right. My income come from shows. So it would be like live performances and merchandise. Then it turned into live performances, merchandise, and teaching at middle schools. Got it. It'll happen, artists. You'll get sick of performing for money. Right. <laughs> at yep. some point, you'll reach mm-hmm. a season in your life where you're like, I don't want to perform as much. I just want to write. I just want to write and study or help other people. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like there right now. Like I can perform, but that, that that's not only what I want to do. But I had to figure, through this decade, I had to figure out like a, a mixture of, okay, what makes the most money? Then it's like, okay, I figured out what makes the most money. Okay, do I charge more here? Okay, now that I've charged more, okay. Dang, okay, now that I've charged more, I could do stuff that I want to do for free. I can help out organizations for free. And then if I charge $2,500, I can send them an invoice minus 100% and then write it off on taxes as a donation because somebody had to pay for it. (laughs) I did. I paid for my performance. You know what I'm saying? And so... Then you start realizing because it's been a time where you've been booked for 10 shows in a row. And then by the time the 11th show comes, somebody's like, hey, could you uh, come to this after school programming? Could you do this at my church real right. quick? Could you come to my? And then you like, because you are taking shorts, you like, you all ain't got no money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you feel nasty because it's yeah. like, ah, I don't want to charge the church. It's value there, but when you charge, that's one of the reasons we charge more, uh, Poets, so if you're paying attention, you charge more so that you can turn down the gigs you don't want, and you can do the gigs you do want on the house and get it back on the back end during tax season. If I charge 500 and I did it for free, I invoice the people, this is a $500 donation in the form of a performance. Oh. Yeah, it's a gift. Now, I do it by the book. I you know, I don't scam with it like, oh, I gave away 50,000 worth of posts. No, you 29. send that
1: invoice.
0: Yeah, but you send an invoice with 100% even when you give a discount. Right? And I believe in discounts all day
1: because- Especially with nonprofits and- and, they, and,
0: and, and nonprofits mean that. They're not supposed to make profit. So when fourth quarter comes, they'll be trying to get rid of that money. Otherwise, they're going to get a shorter budget. So I had to figure out what, what worked and what didn't work, and I, and I failed, and I bumped my head a few times. But it was a game-changer into the uh, the money mix of live performance, merchandise, teaching. Mm-hmm. The fourth thing that came into play that changed everything was, I said, I got some leftover money that I made from performing. Let me invest it. And so I threw a show. I threw an open mic before, then I said, ah, still a limit, because open mic is a mixed bag, right? right? I can't demand any more than 10 or 15 bucks because... If I'm a consumer, it's an open mic. It could be all whack. right? You know what I'm saying? Right. So I started throwing set shows and yeah. hiring people and booking yeah. DJs and booking talent and flying mm-hmm. them out Yeah. and saying, let, let me go big. Let me try it to see what happens. And so mm-hmm. once I seen that, once I made the door, and I said, after I paid everybody what they wanted, by the way, mm-hmm. right? Not short change. Once right. I, hey, how much do you want for t- 20 minutes? Fifteen minutes. Okay, cool. Okay, I'm gonna give you this. I'm gonna fly you out. Here's your hotel. I'm not finna pay you and have you eat out of what you just made for your hotel and your travel. Nah, that ain't that ain't good business.
1: So how much do you charge for the tickets?
0: Oh, so so what I would do is the tickets. General admission, twenty five. Okay. No less than twenty. Hmm. But you do a tier system. The VIP. Yeah. Super VIP. And I learned that from. Big shout out to uh, Keith Rogers, Black on Black Rhyme, Tallahassee. He did an event. I met him in Atlanta. Georgia. Me was doing Tamika Fest. Yo, you you ever met Keith Rogers? He chilling with some cowboy boots and a hat, looking just just chilling, not saying nothing. Everybody coming up to him, dapping. I'm scoping the scene. I'm studying. Right. He just chilling. I'm like, yo, everybody keep coming up to him, dapping. Like he, you know, this. You see the energy. Like he the man. Yeah. So like he gets on stage and he does these things. Uh, I call him homonyms. But he was doing like the, you know, like Asinine a team, like that. He was doing a bunch of those. And I'm like, oh, that's clever. Like, I fuck with clever. So, like, I say, hey, man, um, yo, you, where you at? In Tallahassee? He instantly, yeah, man, we got some shows in Tallahassee. We also got some stuff in Duval and da-da-da. Just like, he running off what's happening during the week. And then homecoming this week after that, he said, man, come down. I'll show you around. So, me and my boy, I was living in Atlanta at the time. We drove down to Tallahassee. And sure enough, he starts showing us around. And from there, I'm watching. I'm studying. He's taking mm. us barbershop to beauty salon to barbershop. And we showing up and spit. I'm from that. So I'm like, oh, yeah, what's up? Like, yo, man, I got some poets in town. They're going to do a couple pieces for y'all. And we moving CDs. We moving like a couple hundred dollars a day by just showing up to spots. And he's promoting a show coming up later for uh, FAMU's Homecoming. So at FAMU's Homecoming, it's a venue called The Moon. Real dope venue. And um, he does this thing called Tallahassee Night Live.
2: Mm-hmm. Of
0: course, he got like you know dancers from the university, so on and so. On. Just a big production. Poetry was involved, but it wasn't only poetry. Mm-hmm. And so I like the idea of like this city night live. And then the tickets was like expensive, but he's selling them twenty, forty. You want the big VIP or the super VIP? And he talking to the oh, I want the VIP. I, you know, I want, let's get the super VIP because da-da-da-da. and I'm watching people buy these forty dollar and sixty dollar tickets. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna try that later on. So years later, when I invested my own money in a show, I did a tier ticket system where it was 20, 40, 80. I said, I'm just gonna see what happens, right? So I did a show, I rented a venue in Chicago called The Promontory. And I called it Chicago Night Live. Mm -hmm. And I did a general mission 20, VIP 40, platinum VIP 80. Now how I did it was, if you get VIP, you get a free drink and a VIP seat. So you get the front row
2: mm-hmm. seating,
0: one of the front row seats, and you get a free drink. People going to drink anyway. All right, cool. Just built it into the ticket. So it's like, hey, if you're going to pay 20 for admission, you're going to pay $10 for a drink. Here's another 10 for a better seat. And people are like, yeah, I'll take that bet. Cool. So when I started selling these tickets, bro, the VIPs sold out before the general admission. And I say, hmm, this is telling me something. People mm-hmm. care about their experience more than they care about their money. Period. I come from a frugal household, Mm -hmm. so I'm like, I ain't going to pay that. But I had to try it to understand. Mindset. And when I tell you, I'm going to tell you at the end, just because it's a big crescendo. I'm going to tell you what day of the week my event was on. And you're going to fall out. (laughs) Because it wasn't on a Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday. Then um, the, the platinum VIP, the $80 ticket, got you the front center seat. It was only four of them. Mm. it's the front center seat, best seat in the house you get a free drink and you get a free autographed book and also the VIPs came with a meet and greet, so after the event you could come in and we say was, you know chop it up with us, so we built the value into the ticket price, mm-hmm. that didn't cost us much, you know. and I had extra books you know Amazon only charged you two, three dollars to print a book,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know what I'm saying and so what I did was the first time I did a show, sold out the, the regular VIP, a lot of the general admission sold none of the platinum VIPs but what did I do, though? I got the band members' fiancés and wives and girlfriends sitting in the VIP section. What? The people don't need to know that it's empty. They got to look packed. You got to sell it. I'm not going to need those empty, because then people are like, oh, they ain't nobody buy the VIP, versus, dang, the VIP up. Man, we're going to get some next time. And sure enough, next month, guess what happened? I sold three of the $80 tickets. I said, OK, I'm on to something. I I think I didn't figure something out. The third show, all four of them sold out. I said, people will pay $80 for poetry in Chicago on a Wednesday. I said, I don't think nobody knows this. People guess it. But I know because I tried it and I did it. And people came. And people paid $80. And guess what else happened? I didn't have to put dress code on the flyer. People came dressed to the nines
1: right they're not dressing down for 80. they putting clothes on
0: and so once that experience happened i said all right i got it and so i always tell artists man like if you throw your own show get a venue to seat maybe like 100 people you ain't got to sell out a 500 seat thousand seat theater you want to build up to that or not because it's cool to have a, a 80 seat venue packed out every time then you can do two shows in a row like how comedy clubs do mm. you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. But once I did that, once I added that to the mix of live show, merchandise, teaching, throwing your own show. Once I counted that door, after paying everybody Mm. and paying the club and made more than I made individually, ever getting Mm. booked at a university, I said, oh, okay, this stays. This stays in the mix.
1: Yeah. I didn't create my own table.
0: and, And really that's a masterclass for any artist that's watching this that will teach you everything you need to know i actually challenge you guys to do that sooner than later like if i could put a a quick you know Mm -hmm. somebody asked what should i do in the next year Mm -hmm. i would challenge you to perform at shows and save up your money save up maybe two grand find a venue that costs 500 or less or that'll do a percentage deal with you um rent it out do a set show do a what i call a closed mic Right. Mm-hmm. Um, book mm-hmm. a few features, had him do 20, you know, 90 minute show. Ain't gotta be super long drag out because I hate those shows too, right? You in there four hours, you like damn, you know, you ready to go home, you sleeping. <laughs> 90 minute show. All right, 30 minutes before door open, you know what I'm saying, or hour mm-hmm. before door open, DJ just playing. Mm-hmm. Start the show on time from start to finish, 90 minutes in and out, bong bum, bong. Get him in, get him out. 90 minutes will suffice. And at that 90 minutes, 30 of it could be your feature. Mm. And the other hour is like, okay, I got somebody doing 20 minutes. I got a musician doing 20 minutes here. Now that's 40. Now you got 20 minutes to occupy. You can figure it out between you, between the musician, the, the band, the DJ, whoever you decide to get, right? And so once I paid everybody what they wanted, man, it's a masterclass. And what you learn as an artist is, you can do math for yourself. So when someone offers you the $80 or the $50 plus past the hat, you're like, but it's 20 to get in this event. And it's like 100 people in here. Out of two grand, you can't afford to, you know? And you don't mm-hmm. even have to have that conversation with them. You mm-hmm. just say, I'm mm-hmm. not taking less than this. Because mm-hmm. that's not for you to tell them how to spend their money. They could right. be in a hole. You feel me? You right. just say, man, the tickets are this much. How, how much do venue seat? 300. You look at the promo. Oh, it's packed out in this bit. It's a line outside. Oh no, nah, I'm gonna need. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or your price could be your price. Or you know, if you decline them, that's another thing I would do, man. I think if I decline a feature and I'm in town, i still pop up. That don't mean I don't fuck with you. That just mean you couldn't afford to hire me to do a full 40-minute set. I still fuck with the market. I still want spoken word to win. It ain't no, oh, they couldn't afford me so. But it feels like that. I don't. I mean, people say that seldom, right? But it would feel that way if it's like I tried to book, buddy. I could. He ain't. We ain't had what he wanted, and so you just like never see him again. Yeah. So it's funny when I would pop up, you would see people's faces kind of light up, like, "Oh shit, I didn't think it would be here." And I'm like, "Nah." And I'm paying full price to come in. You know what I'm saying? Like really right. showing cats, like this is bigger than our attempted business transaction. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than that. So especially artists, if you in the city and you and you're you in your city and somebody try to book you and they don't have enough to book you, still go to the event, still support them. You don't have to get on stage. <laughs> but what that does is it sets that boundary. It solidifies it. It says they couldn't book me, but I still. F- them. Then that make them say, you know what, I'm gonna get a bigger bag next year. I'm gonna get right. You this is good dude right
1: time. here.
3: We at The Poet Life are excited to invite you to be a part of something that we've all been longing for. For far too long, each and every one of us have been searching for a way to get connected with like-minded people, specifically poets who have the desire to make poetry their career. We've all heard more than once from more than one person that there is no money in poetry. This couldn't be further from the truth. Your poetry is invaluable. Allow us to show you how successful you can be with your poetry. Learn how you can go from being an individual poet to launching a business that offers poetry as a service. Join us as we build the poetry industry together. The Poetry Business Network that is made of poets from all over the world who are looking to start their career in the poetry industry or simply do more with their poetry. We will meet twice a week on a Zoom call every Tuesday and Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You will have the opportunity to meet and network with poets from all walks of life. You will also have the privilege of meeting and learning from the best professional poets in the world. Many of them have been guests on the Poet Life podcast. We have also incorporated a book club where we read personal development books to help us change our mindset. In order for us to realize our greatness as professional poets, we must renew our minds. You can check out the Poetry Business Network for free to see if you like it. We are confident that you will. If you choose to become a member after the first week, the annual membership fee will only be $99. So make the investment and change the way you see and pursue poetry. We hope you become a part of the Poetry Business Network. Together, we can build the poetry industry.
0: Yeah, man.
1: Yeah. I'm not gonna yeah. hold you, man. I know you got a lot of things going on, man. Yeah. One last thing I got for you, bro. How is COVID treating you? How how are you pivoting and working around COVID? So let me grab something real quick to show you guys. All right. You all are getting a masterclass from Brandon Alexander Williams. Hope y'all are studying. I hope y'all are taking notes. This is major information here. So COVID, right?
0: I had to get into getting my Zoom on, but also creating like a digital content. And so mm-hmm. um, one good thing about digital content is once you create it, it's there, it exists. You mm-hmm. know what I am mean? saying? So mm-hmm. you don't have to necessarily like teach it over again. But um, pivoting, learning how to pivot, like how to not just do live shows, but how to create a class or something online that people can consume that benefits you, you know? And so for poets, I would challenge you guys to do, if there aren't, you know, they're digital open mics, but they don't, they don't feel the same. Everybody knows it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, what I think you should do is find a spot and invite artists out and start filming them and start making like a TV show type thing and make a subscription service on Patreon or something and split the uh, and pay royalties to the artist that's featured on your show. I think that's an easy thing. Hey, you was gonna come to open mic anyway. All right, we socially distance. All right, you do your poem. We're gonna film it. You sign this waiver. We're gonna give you however much off of the subscriptions. As the subscriptions grow, so do your royalties. That's something, you know what I'm saying, that I have that I plan on doing, right? But that's a quick business model somebody could do if it's like, okay, I was making my money off my live shows, how do I do it now? You still got an audience, and they still want to support you. Yeah. That's the thing about your audience. Um, This is what I was talking about earlier. This is actually the first uh, proof copy of it. That's why it's all tattered. But um, this book is called The Black Love Mixtape. Me and 72 brothers from across the country put together poems, songs, and raps dedicated to uplifting a Black woman. On every page, the pages are black or white ink. And on every page is a QR code. So when you scan the code, right, let me show you another one. So when you scan the code, it goes to a private playlist of that artist spitting that piece. And so it's an audio book built into the physical book. And so that's what I'm helping this year specifically. It's what I'm helping artists produce. Not just poets, but comedians too. So we got cats who have like 30 minute. Uh, comedy sets and so we're taking audio, we're chopping it up and we're putting it on streaming sites so people can listen to their set but also we're transcribing their set into script form and putting it in a book with the QR code and then we're adding commentary we're asking the comedian hey what about this joke, where was you at? oh man when I wrote that joke I've been working on that bit since da-da-da. so we got insight behind the lyrics and everything so I'm encouraging poets to pivot from selling CDs and all that Get you a book. If you got an album, you got 10 tracks on it, put the lyrics to each track in there. Interview yourself. Get your voice recorder. Man, when I wrote this song, I was going through a, a bad breakup and da 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 You went on for five minutes. And that five minutes typed turns into, like, 15 pages. And that's content. Now you got a 100-page book from 10 tracks. And that's something people can consume and, um, and that, that people can teach from later or that you can teach from later. And the dopest thing is that you're telling your story. Nobody else gets to interpret your lyrics for you. You get to break down references. You get to break down why you chose what type of beat that you chose. The book I'm doing right now, just as an exclusive right now, the professor, his name is Dr. Damani Phillips, a saxophonist, jazz saxophonist, decorated musician. I'm producing a book of his scores. And then we're doing commentary on his his music scores and compositions on on like some of his live performances. And then we got QR codes on each page. So when you scan it, it goes to his live performances of him, you know, doing jazz. I
1: don't know where you get your brain from, bro.
0: (laughs) It comes from God, man. But books, I I say books, man. Books is how I pivoted a lot because this medium right here, if I could go back in time, I probably would have did like only books and not mixtapes like right. this this key right here because you know keys open doors you know what i'm saying shout out yeah. to kids. like this this key right here though this is the type of key that like just the book period this is the kind that's the type of key that's like let's say uh christophe you you talked to some kids um last summer but you got a book so the the facilitator who booked you was like hey um you know those students you taught last summer yeah they're graduating i want to get them a, a gift let me get 50 of your books. Right. No problem. Send me the check and I'll autograph them all. That happens. If I got CDs, because yeah. you got to think of like the, the social uh, status of like a CD versus a book. It's like books are, they're like uh, grandfathered in. They're respected as like this, this gift, whether people read them or not. It's a, they look good on the coffee table. Yeah. So people are like, oh, let me get a book. Let me study. from. But also when you put it in this format, people can break things down however they want to. But since you author it, you decide how far they can or can't go. So you got the full control over all that when you put it together. So any artist that's out there, man, I challenge you, publish a book this year. Publish a book. Reach out to me. I'm offering those services, too. I haven't figured out my price point yet, but it's very, very easy. I don't want to say DIY it. I'm I'm providing the service while I'm walking you from start to finish. You send me your lyrics. I'm going to format it for you. Print the book for you. Embed the audio, attach the audio, make it interactive for you. All of that for a nominal fee, and that's what I'm offering. Catch me on my Instagram. My link tree is from there. You'll be able to, uh, you know, book that from there. But but this year, man, 2022 is all about publishing. So modern day griot publishing, man. We gonna not only, do oh, books, man, but we're gonna be doing a lot of uh stuff around advertising and jumping into that market. Um, but I'm gonna continue to teach and drop videos about how to get to it, man. About sales and all of that. And I've been showing receipts. I know you've seen them, man. I've been showing receipts. Like I've seen them. I told somebody what I made off of credit card sales one April where I stacked the deck. I, I built up a bunch of like uh, I think I was in DC around that time because Nationals was in DC. And so I'm like, I'm gonna make sure I'm in DC mm-hmm. <laughs> around this week, right? And for the whole month of April, I just stacked the deck with a bunch of different cities to pop up at, even if they was if they was paying me or not. I went so mm. I had a tour schedule, and so what happened is People started catching wind. I'm like, hey, I see you're going to be in this city. What you doing the next day? I'm like, what's up? What you got? And so if 30 days, if out of 30 days, I originally was only booked for 12 of them, that 12 grew to like 24. Because as I'm rolling through, I got an empty day.
1: Proximity.
0: And they're like, man, you know what? Our feature can't make it. I'm here. What's up? and you get me at a discounted rate, you know what I'm saying? Because the mission was different at that point. Mm-hmm. But what usually happens, like I say, when you go to those cities and you put it down, man, what'll happen is when you leave it, man, I'm finna leave tomorrow. When you coming back? When you book me? <laughs> <laughs> and that's when, you know, the first year you are giving out samples, the next year is when they fly you out. They They put you up, you know what I'm saying? I also want to give a big shout out, man, before I go, speaking of DMV, to Kariga uh, Bailey and Felicia. I met Kariga at, um. there's a video of me, one of my poems that people like a lot, is called Mr. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a video of me on YouTube doing the poem where I got on like a uh, like a dress shirt and a black vest. I was at Just Me, mm-hmm. Wine and Poetry in mm-hmm. Upper Marlboro. Mm-hmm. And so that night, somebody had just told me about the set. I was supposed to leave the next day. And they like, Mm -hmm. you got to go to this joint. Um, It's a, uh," and I remember seeing a promo but never getting out there because I didn't think the the Metro didn't go there. And I'm like, well, you know, at the time I was like, I didn't have no rental car or nothing like that. So Mm -hmm. you got to go, you got to go. And the dope thing about the story is earlier, uh, one of my frat brothers at Howard, he had, uh, from Chicago, he went to Howard to do film school. Mm. So the film director, Pete, this his professor, her name is Jennifer Nakairu. Jennifer Nakairu was from London. Jennifer Nakairu is the director for a- Beyonce and Jay Z. Wow. This is before all of that, I don't know none of that. I come in town. I'm I'm meeting him. Hey, uh, uh meet me at my class before we go. I'm like, cool. I come into class. He's like, hey, that's my frat brother. He do poetry. Oh yeah, let me hear some. I do a poem. She's like, we gotta film you tonight. She start running. Da da da. And that night was the night I went out to Just Wine and Cheese Poetry. So they came with two cameras, and they followed me there. I do the poem, and um, there's a side room, there's a smoke room or whatever. So I'll go right. back there because the bathroom was that way too. Mm-hmm. So I'll go there, and um, this is how I would always kind of get on. Because when I came into the show, it was already an hour into the show, and uh, I, I start showing my ID. Look, man, oh, man I'm from out of town. Like I just want to do one piece. I get out some face, da da da. You know, mm-hmm. alright man? We gonna we gonna hold you down. We we. Some some people vouch for you, you know, cause I've been putting it down all week. So new like, oh no, you you gotta, let, you gotta get, let homie get on. Like, so boom, do the poem, go to the back room, smoking, cyphering. I said, uh-oh, I don't smoke, but I sure do, smoke MCs and cypher. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what I remember being there was Kariga was there,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Orville was there mm-hmm. and Cipher. And when I would be on the road, I always had, cause I don't freestyle. Like I want my to be fire. So like I would have at least ten verses memorized, aside from the poems that I perform. Mm. I got like ten verses memorized that can match just about any tempo of a beat. So when I get in the cipher, I'm not running out of rhymes. So we going, going, going. Maybe like go around maybe four times. So niggas eventually like stop dropping out, start dropping out. Kariga don't stop. And I don't either. So as I, as we going back and forth, if you ever met Karega Bailey, he do this thing where he kind of like squint his eye. That's my guy. And look at you like, <laughs> That's like, my uh, guy. like what's going? Like he trying to figure you out, and and what his brain was kind of saying is like, it's like he was looking at me as if to say like, so you just not finna stop rapping, like you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, and I was saying this ain't in him as as he was going, but you know you have been in ciphers where like somebody don't stop, but they sh- don't be potent, but kept being potent mm. and my shit kept being potent so we looking at each other like damn niggas are you just gonna keep on rapping and inspiring like what's going on so by the time i think we went me and him went back and forth maybe four more times then they like all right they blunt was going or whatever and then i think like the event was ending and so we like man let's go on back out here and he like yo what's your name fam where you from again i'm like yo man i'm real talk i'm from chicago you know chicago area dah, dah, dah. um yo he said Anytime you come here, you staying at my crib, like you with me. I'm like, all right, bet. Showing up next time I came to DC, hit him up. Regal, what's up, man? Yo, where you at? I'm like, I'm at um Reagan. I'll be there. He comes scoop me up. We drive to his crib and Bowie. Yeah. He introduced me to his wife. He like, this your room. And like. I get emotional when I think about that because he's such a dope brother. And I was, I was down on my luck at that time, but he's like, I just never met that type of abundant love from a black man. Authentic. You know what I'm saying? Just like, you just met me and he's like, this your room. Like, when you come here, you stay here in his guest room. And... We got an extra car. Like, Felicia don't use his red car. Like, you can use that if you need to get around a DMV. And he kept his word. And like, from there, he, that's my brother, man. And, and I got to go and meet his brothers. And he got me booked at Hampton, because he's from Hampton. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And come to find out, he's born seven days after me. Wow. Same year, seven days later, I nah, said, no, nah,
1: Car- I was cold. Kariga's Cariga, the, man, he might be the realest yeah. artist I know, bro, as an artist and as a person. Mm-hmm. Like, we was riding together for years in, in this poetry situation, man. And uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I know yeah, man, what you so mean, bro. That's a real dope cat, man. And so sure.
0: any anybody he introduced me to, I'm like, I'm already knowing they solid. Yeah. Cause he is, you know, yeah. and so we learn and teach from each other, man, and and, and we got a couple of records together, and uh, a lot of you know people that I knew through him, we still tight to this day, man, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that's man, dope, that's fire. Those, cat, man. So, so any artists out there, man, I say travel. If you're in a DMV, don't take it for granted. <laughs> don't take it for granted at all. Uh, if you're an artist listening, throw your own show. At the very least, throw it quarterly every season. You know, that way you got three months, you got 90 days to promote it. So winter, spring, summer, fall. We got the winter show, the spring show, the summer show, the fall show. Just throw four shows a year. You know what I'm saying? Then work your way up if you want to do a bi-monthly. You know, then do a monthly if you want to. But what's going to be big and imperative is promo. And when you do monthly, that 30 days is going to sneak up on you. You know what I'm saying? So do quarterly, trust me, do quarterly. Let people miss it, but let it be a set show. Make it a Mm -hmm. closed mic, scout talent, ask them how much they want, Mm -hmm. pay them. Yeah. And like I say, what you make off the door minus expenses is gonna be more than anybody's offering you right now.
1: Yeah, I do it. I do showcases. You know what I'm saying? I I don't do open mics. One, I just don't know what folks gonna say. And I like to kind of somewhat like theme my events and stuff like that. So Look, Brandon, man, I I appreciate you. I love what you're doing, man.
0: man. Keep, Thank keep. You, man. I mean, I'm a, I'm gonna be back on here for sure. For sure. Uh, and, yeah. And, and, and we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk business, man. About being being affiliated, you know, with the for brand. Sure. But I but I like what you're pushing. I love what you're pushing and what you're doing. And I wish you uh, prosperity in this whole journey.
1: Appreciate you, man. Listen, it's Christoph Jenkins and Brandon Alexander Williams. It's the Poet Life Podcast. Check us out at thepoetlife.com. Where can they find you, bro?
0: oh man uh instagram brandon alexander williams also uh the name of this book is the black love mixtape we spell black b-l-k but yep the black love mixtape so that's on amazon it's also on my website so you can get it either but
1: man make sure you check that out good stuff man y'all have a good evening it's the polar life podcast
2: find a way find a way